The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So it's nice to be back here. It's been a while on a Sunday morning. I wanted to talk about a challenging, one of the challenging aspects of wise speech, of right speech, and that's complaining. And (laughs) so some of you probably are familiar with that habit, and uh, some more than others. So I wanted to start with a Zen story. Once upon a time, there was a monastery, and it was a very, very strict monastery. And they uh, all took a vow of silence, uh, all except for one exception. They could talk every 10 years. And every 10 years, they could say two words. So this monk entered the monastery and, uh, you know, practiced and lived there. And 10 years went by. And uh, he met with the uh, abbot, you know, after 10 years. And the abbot said, it's been, you know, it's been 10 years. What would you like to say? And he said, bed hard. (laughs) So... Uh, another 10 years went by and he's, you know, practicing away and um, uh, comes back, you know, and uh, the abbot says, you know, it's been another 10 years. What would you like to say? He said, food stinks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another 10 years goes by and, um, you know, finally, you know, he now he's no longer a young man. He's, you know, mature you know, mature practitioner. And um, the abbot says, what would you like to say? It's been another 10 years. And he looks at him, he says, I quit. (laughs) (laughs) And the abbot says, no wonder you quit. All you ever do is complain. (laughs) (laughs) So, So that's how we're working with, with the complaining mind. So what is a complaint? What is complaining? One of the definitions, it's, it's the expression of our pain, of our discomfort, or dissatisfaction, or annoyance, or resentments, you know, or blaming others. So those are kind of the, the overall um, uh, arena of what we talk about in complaining. Complaining can be useful or not useful. For instance, if uh, you took your car to get fixed, you bring it home and the, uh, it's making some horrible noise, you know, you definitely want to complain. You know, you just want to do it in a wholesome, skillful manner. So what we're addressing now is, is mostly the forms of complaint uh, that are unhelpful towards our own happiness and towards the harmony we have with other people. So what do we complain about? Take a moment uh, right here. Did you do any complaining while you were meditating? You know, so we have this internal, internal chatter. You know, I'm not concentrated enough. You know, I keep getting distracted. You know, these, these little, tiny, annoying little voices in the mind. Or maybe it's some noise in the hall that just kept happening. Would that person just stop doing that already? Don't they know it's a meditation hall? So it's, it's kind of judging and complaining. And so that's the internal voices. If we don't see our internal voices, they kind of create a mood, right? And they affect our level of happiness. Now, as we go outward from our internal meditation, then we start complaining about our very personal things. 
You know, you walk into, sometimes we complain about the most minor, um, really relevant things, you know. So, you know, walk into the bedroom, you trip over some socks, that darn sock, you know. I don't know if you've ever done that. Um, or sometimes they complain about things like, you know, you didn't do the dishes or uh, you never do the dishes. So those kind of things that affect our lives. And so we have our personal ones, you know, it's too cold, um, I'm hungry, I'm tired, uh, or interpersonal, um, you know, that person is, you know, my coworker is always chattering on the phone, I can't concentrate, those, those kind of things. So, and then we have, you know, there's a stereotype, by the way, how many of you have heard that women complain more than men? Yeah, so some of you have heard that, you know, but really when you look at it, you know, nobody thinks that a man is complaining when they're watching a game and they go, that idiot over there, you know, nobody thinks of that as a complaint. Uh, So we just complain about different things, the state of the world, the state of the environment, what's wrong with the iPhone. We, We have all our little areas we complain about. And some of the time it's fairly incessant. It's just a lot of uh, this kind of negative chatter that goes on in our lives. Basically, we can complain about anything and everything that meets with our disapproval. And I'd say half of what we encounter we tend not to like. So those of us who have a strong habit of complaining are complaining a lot. If you look at a little kid... I don't know how many of you have have raised children or been around children a lot, but one of the things that happens, especially at a certain age, is that, you know, they're saying, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm bored. And part of that is the normal thing. It's really normal for a child because a child is dependent on their parent uh, to take care of their needs. And it's a slow, it's a gradual transition when a child goes from being completely dependent on a parent to when they start being responsible for themselves. But how much do we act like children, kind of whining like children? You know, I'm bored, I'm this, I'm that. Um, And not really taking care of our own inner whiner. So one of the things we tend to do is we, we take a complaint and then we retell it. You know, have you ever had some, something happens at work and you get upset and then it uh, kind of goes away, fades away. But uh, you get home and then your spouse is there. You tell them the story again and it's, it's just as strong as it was when it first happened. And every time we tell it, it gets stronger. It gets more solidified. You know, I was really wronged by that person. And, you know, complaining, complaining about our suffering is very different than sharing or suffering. So, for instance, if something happened at work, somebody really hurt your feelings, and you complain about them, you say, that, that son of a, you know, that really angry about that person, that's complaining. It doesn't bring a solution. It doesn't bring any wisdom. It's really kind of venting about it, and, uh, and, and it creates a, a, a divisive attitude between you and that person. But if instead of doing that, you share your feelings about it, you know, just say, wow, you know, that, you really hurt my feelings when they did that. You know, you're sh- sharing it with your spouse or your friend or some, you know, someone that's a safe person to share with, you know, not, not your boss. And, you know, you just share that vulnerability of it hurt my feelings, it made me feel sad, made me feel alienated. And it actually is, you know, you're working towards coming at peace with what happened.
not reinforcing that person's a terrible person, but coming at peace and bringing understanding. So what, you know, we spend a lot of time, those of us who are meditating on a regular basis, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to calm the mind. And so it's very clear when you're not talking, when you're sitting here, when aversions arise, right? You, you know, you don't, it's too hot, too cold, those kind of things. And we go, oh, that's an aversion. Let me go back to the breath, get peaceful and calm. Every time, the rest of the day, if we practice complaining, it's like practicing aversion. It's the same thing. It's like you're, you're reinforcing an aversive mind, a mind that's looking for what's wrong in the world that's looking for what's wrong in our lives. So why do we complain? Yeah, just take a moment and think about it. If you complain, why do you complain? What, does it feel, what, what need does it fill in you that you complain? I don't know if, if, how many of you know who Jane Wagner is. She's the writer for Lily Tomlin. You know, and she said, I personally believe that we develop language because of our deep inner need to complain. So it's, um, there's a lot of juice there. And there's a certain level where complaining is entertaining. It's energizing. Uh, you know, oh, I want to tell you what happened. You've got all this juice around it. It, give, it you know, gives you a little bit of a sense of power when you complain. So there's a, something attractive to it. The other thing is we can vent our frustration, you know, and, and sometimes it's actually fine to vent our frustration. It's just when it's a con- really recurring habit that it's not helpful. Um, you know, it relieves tension. It creates bonding between people. I remember um, in high school in particular, um, me, and a co- and me and my girlfriend, you know, we spend most of our time talking about um, maybe it's junior high, but uh, <laughs> most of the time talking about w- criticizing other people and uh, what was wrong, our teachers, what was wrong with our teachers, what was wrong with our parents. And, you know, so much, of, and we bonded over that. You know, we shared that. It was just such a, you know, um, you know, wonderful thing to have someone who saw the world the same way. And, um, and then what happens when years later, if one of you stops doing that, what's left of that relationship? How does that relationship need to be re, either recreated or maybe it'll drift away? And I had that happen. You know, I had a relationship that was really based on just a lot of negative bonding. And, um, and as, as my practice developed, I kind of dropped a lot of that. Uh, you know, there just wasn't enough, uh, enough to keep us uh, together, to keep us uh, associating. I used to have a lot of warm feelings, but it just, we drifted apart. And that happens. We sometimes uh, complain to try to make ourselves feel better. So, for instance, we say that person is, um, you know, they're so stupid, you know. And really what's happening is we're kind of building ourselves up. So there's a lot of different underneath currents. Sometimes people complain because they're jealous. Um, one of the things that we complain is uh, the, the squeaky wheel. You know, it's really interesting, the squeaky wheel phenomenon, you know, um, the squeaky wheel gets attention, right? And sometimes it shouldn't. Um, and, you know, I've, as um, uh, Lynn mentioned, you know, I've, I've managed a couple of organizations, you know, and one of the phenomena that really surprised me uh, was how often 
uh, there'd be a complaint. And a lot of people, the initial reaction was that we had to do something about it, that that complaint was valid and we had to act without even evaluating it, just because it just showed up. And sometimes the complaint was not a, not a complaint that was worth, worthy acting on it. But yet that, that was like the... And there were other things that were much more important to do, but the complaint is what got the attention. And so, you know, that's another aspect of complaining. One of the things, um, there's been a lot of brain research in recent years, and um, one of the things they found was that by exposing oneself to 30 minutes of like negativity, like um, terrible news, actually shrinks the brain. So we can think about when we're complaining, if we have a habit of complaining a lot, um, you know, every, when we complain, the mind gets negative. It just contracts. It, it darkens. It, it gets tight. And um, unless the intention is to problem solve. Sometimes we complain, but we really want to solve a problem. And that's, that's helpful. Um, so it reinforces our negativity or agitation. And um, they found that um, people who... Um, What's the, what's they call it, who are, who are cynical, you know, who tend to be really cynical about other people, uh, that they actually have a higher uh, incidence of dementia. You know, so there's certain effects that we practice, that um, you know, we practice complaining and it affects our brains. Just like meditation affects uh, the brains in the other direction. We grow um, new synapses, new connections, and you know, we learn better, we, we remember better. It, the same thing happens when we practice these other uh, unhelpful ways of thinking, of using the mind. So about in um, 2000, let me get his name. Will, in 2006, Will Bowen, he was a minister in a church in, I guess, Missouri. That's, uh, and what happened is after many years of uh, listening to his congregation complain, uh, he decided, uh, and himself, you know, he realized he was doing it a lot too. He was complaining about his com- congregation complaining, right? And he decided to start a 21-day challenge. Anyone hear about this? It's a really interesting challenge, you know. The challenge was, uh, had two rules. He gave everybody a purple band to wear around the wrist, like a rubber band. And every time you complain, um, you're supposed to change it to the other wrist. And every time you do that, you start your 21 days all over. (laughs) So those 21 days can take a while. So, you know, and what's you know, I just looked it up, you know, because I've heard about this a long time ago, and uh, I just I was curious, you know, and they've uh, given out over 10 million bands now. So his goal is really to, you know, get this world to stop complaining and do something, <laughs> do something useful. You know, uh, many, many years ago, I was involved in a um, uh, sort of a cultish group. I mean, that's the best, best way to express it. And one of the things about this group was that everybody was supposed to be positive all the time. And so if anybody had any, any even legitimate cri- uh, gripe, uh, it was seen as being negative. You know? So everybody repressed all their negativity, went around kind of with a little bit of phony smiles all the time because they were trying to be good, good cultees. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that's really important is to differentiate between expressing a real pain and suffering 
and, and not repressing that. You know, so if somebody asks you, how are you, and you're actually really sad, you know, they might not care, so you might not share too much. But, but if they care, you tell them the truth. This is the truth of my experience. I'm a little sad right now. You don't have to pretend. So by saying how you are, and it doesn't happen to feel particularly good, it, it's not a complaint. It's just a sharing of, of who we are, of what's going on. Expressions of pain and grief are really important parts of being human. So um, this minister said there are four stages of becoming a competent, complain-free person. So the first stage is the stage of being um, unconscious incompetence. Okay, that's when you don't really realize how much you complain. And when I first did this, I 10 years ago, you know, I had already been practicing a long time and I was working with right speech. You know, I didn't think I complained that much. And uh, I was shocked. I was actually shocked about the little things like, oh, my back hurts. And just voicing things that were just a habit of voicing it. I mean, yes, my back hurt, but do I have to voice it? What does it mean when I voice it? What does it do? And so as the day went on, you know, I started, I started those 21 days many, many times. So, um, you know, that's the first stage when you really realize uh, that um, how much you do that, whether it's internal or external. Uh, it's a little bit like I think Suzuki Roshi said, self-knowledge is often not good news. So that's the, that's the first part. The second part is conscious incompetence. When you finally realize, oh my God, I, I complain a lot. And um, I always remember Joseph Goldstein, who's, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know, a lot of you know who he is. He's the founder of the, uh, kind of co-founder of the Vipassa movement in the West and um, started Inside Meditation Society back east. He said that when he first started in the early years of practice, he was sitting during a meditation and he just couldn't believe how many judgments were coming up. And he was just really frustrated because his mind was just full of judgment. So he decided he needed to do something. So during the walking period, he just sat somewhere where, where everybody had to walk by. And instead of uh, focusing on the judgments themselves, he just started counting the judgments. And he said by the end of the walking period, he had reached a thousand. So those are habits of mind. What does that do to our mind when, when we spend a 45-minute period with a thousand judgments? Are we happy and joyous? You know, no. You know, so, um, so that's conscious incompetence. The next phase is conscious competence. And that's when we start really, you know, if you're wearing the bracelet, you're not, you're not uh, moving it back and forth every other minute. You know, you're just doing it a little on occasion, and you're really becoming aware of what you say. You know, and this is really the realm of right speech. You know, we pay attention. What's coming out of my mouth? What's the intention? And at that point, we're practicing. It might feel awkward because, you know, so I found myself about to, in the middle of starting to say something really gossipy, and, oh, and then you, you stop. <laughs> and go, no, 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 what was it? What was it? You know, so, so that the kind of awkwardness, um, you know, and then there's a, a, a place, the, the unconscious competence, where it becomes your way of being, where uh, there's a lot more freedom around it, and, and maybe you complain on occasion, but it's not like a deep part of your personality anymore. 
So we're always practicing something at any given moment. So we're either practicing peacefulness, uh, gratitude, acceptance, or practicing uh, complaining or contraction. So if we sit for you know, half an hour, 45 minutes each day, what are we practicing the rest of the day? So I want to give a couple of examples about right speech. One of the things that I found really he- I find really helpful is kind of the shortcut to right speech. You know, it's four things. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? And is it the right time? So if we use those four things as a reference point, uh, you know, that usually really helps create the harmony in our own minds and with other people. And for instance, if, if I, I get up, you know, I hadn't had that much sleep, and I just complain to my husband, oh, I'm so tired. Okay, is it true? Yes. Is it helpful? No. It's not particularly helpful. So it's just kind of a, an expression of that, which actually creates a certain mood in my mind by supporting it. The words actually support that mood. Or... Um, do you know what she did? She threw away all the leftovers. I mean, somebody could have eaten them. What a waste. Okay. Is it true? Yes. Right? Is it helpful? What do you think? Well, it could be. It could be if you actually tell this person, right? It has a potential to be helpful, but in the moment it isn't because it's not the right time. She's, you know, that, per- is, that person isn't there, and it's not kind. The way you said it isn't kind. So a lot of times people, you know, uh, there's very popular movement of radical honesty where people said whatever was on their mind regardless of consequences, you know, and really valued that, oh, this is true, we're telling the truth. But, but kindness is a huge part of telling the truth. So, so the other side of right speech, uh, you know, there's the positive side of, you know, is it helpful, is it true? But there's also uh, a way of saying don't lie, um, don't say things that are malicious and divisive, don't say things that are harsh. So one of the things that, that really, uh, for me, is, is important to really notice is whether what you say is, causes divisiveness. I'm in a position where... You know, when I uh, uh, organized IMC, this organization, you know, I developed a lot of the volunteer base, you know, which, I mean, I think IMC still has about 150 volunteers. And a lot of what I would do, you know, I'd have to tell, you know, Gil and I would talk about it and say, well, this person doesn't, you know, they can't do this, you know, and this person can't do that, and this person can, you know. So you're kind of evaluating people, which any boss does that, right? You evaluate skills, and so it's really um, important how you do that. It's, you know, it's discernment. You, you need to know that person can't spell. Okay, you know, you don't want them uh, sending out all the letters. So, but it's how you say it causing a feeling of divisiveness so that the person you're telling it to is feeling less respect for that person. So to me, that's a really crucial element there. So... I want to recommend, if you haven't done this exercise, it's an exercise that I find really, uh, really fascinating and helpful. And it's an exercise that takes about five minutes. Maybe I'll have you do it in here. We, we won't even take that, that long, okay? 
So I want you to do is, I mean, normally we do this in, in a public place like a train station, an airport, a waiting room, you're in gridlock. So we're going to try it here. And what I'd like you to do is just kind of look around the room. And so to keep it from being too personal, I don't want anybody doing anything um, uh, awkward unless they sign up for it here. So just kind of look at the objects in the room and see it, what shows up, if, if any judgments show up. You know, just there's lots of objects. You feel free to look at people's clothing or anything you want to. And just spend about one minute doing that right now. And just notice if any judgments show up when you do that. Just pay attention. How, how do you feel at this moment? Did, tell me, raise your hand if you had some judgments. Okay. Pretty common. Okay, now I want you to do the same exercise, but this time look for things you like. We'll spend one minute and just look around and find things like, you know, if you had looked at the Buddha before and maybe it was, you know, you thought it was too dark, is there anything you like about it? You know, so look around to see things, you know, look for what you like in everything. And now pay attention to how you feel. Do you feel any different than you did with the first exercise? You know, maybe, maybe not. There's no right answer to this. Typically when we do this, when I do this or when others recommend this exercise, you know, we do it by looking at people. But this is too close, too close a group to do that, you know, too awkward. Um, but you look at an airport, for instance, um, you know, you might see a mother dragging their kid, you know, and you're kind of being judgmental of that. But maybe you notice, uh, you can notice she's wearing a really beautiful scarf. Just a way of shifting the attention, shifting the attention to, uh, from what's wrong in the world to what what's, uh, can be appreciated in the world. So the last piece I wanted to address was... Uh, one of the things, you know, I mentor a lot of people and, and typically one of the things I get at some point when people start practicing with wise speech is I get something to the extent, you know, I go to work and everybody gathers around the water cooler or the equivalent of the water cooler and they're gossiping and saying all these mean things and I'm feeling alienated now. You know, I can't chime in, I can't, what do I do? You know, I feel like they're, I don't want to, I, I don't want to go into their negativity. You know, what do I do? And so one of the things that we can look at is that part of right speech is mindful listening. And so when we listen to people complain, 
uh, or even be cruel in, in what they're saying, we can kind of drop down to there's some pain underneath. They're doing this out of pain, out of dissatisfaction in their life. And so we can drop into some, a sense of compassion, a sense of, um, of, of uh, uh, really recognizing that these people are, are, there's some suffering going on in this situation. And it's not pity, not looking down on them. This is like the suffering that we all have. You know, and maybe, um, you know, I'm suffering over one thing and they're suffering over another thing. But, but really getting out of that judgmental point of view, they're doing it wrong and, you know, and I'm, you know, and, and I'm going to stay apart from them because I'm, you know, I'm doing it right now. But really just seeing that this is the human condition and there's suffering going on there. And so we, we can be quiet. You know, people don't really mind if you, if you don't chime in. They have plenty to say. You know, on a one-on-one, you know, one of the things that I like to do, you know, I have a relative who, who rarely has anything nice to say about anyone. And so I try to redirect them, you know, with a question. Like, for instance, um, uh, uh, okay, I don't want to say anything that's too revealing, so let me make... <laughs> okay, so someone, for instance, was uh, really into fashion, you know, really into fashion, you know, and uh, they're very critical of how other people dress, you know, and she was like r- really criticizing her sister's dress. And, and it's creating a lot of tension in the, in, the, in the environment. And so I said to her, um, when did you get into fashion? Uh, what, what made you interested in fashion? And just by redirecting it, she perked up. You know, she liked that. You know, I gave her attention. She got to keep talking. And it turned the conversation to something a lot more um, uh, kind and interesting. And uh, I enjoyed her answer. You know, it, so it was really helpful. So redirecting can often be really uh, a gentle way of doing that. Instead of rejecting, I don't want to hear that. Uh, can we... Um, redirected in a way that's helpful or completely change the subject. How many people have been at a, at a family dinner and found that talking about politics created a lot of joy? Right? <laughs> you know, sometimes just, you need to just absolutely just change. You know, hey, hey, let's talk about something else. Um, anything else. <laughs> or use humor. You know, my mother's, my, my husband's mother lived with us the last year of her life. And she's a really, you know, really wonderful woman. She was very, um, tended to be lighthearted, good sense of humor, very good natured. But she was also very critical of her kids. And, you know, living with, with, with an adult son and, um, you know, she found lots of opportunities to criticize him. And uh, on one particular day, she was kind of at her... Um, uh, at her most active criticizing, and uh, you know she 's just complaining to him complaining about you know about how he felt short and and so he just looked her in the eyes and very sweetly uh, said to her, "You know, mom, you know you 're right i 'm a real son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, but, he, but he knew his audience. He knew his audience. He, you know, she reacted the same way you did. So it was, it was cool. <laughs> so. <laughs> now, I've learned a lot from my husband's sense of humor. So, so that's, that's it, unless you guys have some questions. Um, I wish I had some purple bracelets to give you. 
But um, so does anybody have any uh, comments or questions? You want to pass the mic, Bill? But it just uh, the timing of this talk is uh, a little fortuitous or coincidental because uh, uh, recently, on several occasions, I found myself remembering this one scene from the Walt Disney movie Bambi. Uh, <laughs> do you remember uh, when Bambi was little? Still, he had a friend. I'm, I'm, I don't remember if the friend's name was Thumper. Uh, was that right? Yeah, so, okay. And Thumper had a wise mother. And I remember just how she said it. If you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything at all. <laughs> and, I, and I know that in certain or, you know, organizations, work situations, you may have to uh, talk frankly with a coworker about other people's capabilities. But So it's not 100%. It's not an absolute rule. But it's a, it's a great rule that I've found myself having occasion to think back on. It's great. The Dharma Bambi. Very. <laughs> um, behind you. Um, I thought that was a great talk. Is it clear? Yeah. And applicable. But, you know, in some ways it kind of goes back to right view because it starts in here. Like I can wake up and start grumbling to myself or be grumpy about things or notice things that are wrong. Me and my husband and in the place I live. And, uh, you know, I, I love what you said about the five-minute exercise because I do that sometimes. And just notice what's right. And it's kind of Pollyannish-ish, but there's also Dharma according to Pollyanna because you can be glad about so much and that puts me in a different frame. But when I'm in that grumbly mood, I have to kind of write that or drop it. Um, to yeah. the complaining. <laughs> and you know, that's the beauty of the Eightfold Path is you can approach it from any of the steps. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be grumbling in your mind and you might just watch your breathing and get calm. Uh, you might um, consciously, uh, you know, think about right view. Uh, that clinging causes suffering and, oh, I'm clinging, okay. So we can approach it a lot of different ways, you know. Um, but habits require effort. You know, um, you know, and mindfulness requires effort you know, to, to learn the habit of mindfulness. And, and that's why, you know, a lot of people sit every day, uh, but then they don't do anything else the rest of the day. You know, so really integrating mindfulness into your daily life is a really crucial part of waking up. You know, because that's, you know, we spend 20, you know, the rest of the hours, you know. So we want those hours to be skillful. So... Um, Jeff. Thanks. Um, one of the things that I try to do with, uh, with varying degrees of success is, is I remember an, an old adage that I learned uh, a long time ago. I don't know where it was from, maybe, maybe the S training or something. It's, and it, has, and it's, it fits with somewhat with, with what you said. Tell it to somebody who can do something about it. Because otherwise then it's just griping. And, it, and it's really counterproductive. In fact, if I, the more I gripe in my own mind, it kind of is like watering the weeds in the garden. So I try to do that, and uh, and I found it pretty helpful when I can. Another is to sort things out. Um, I learned um, quite some time ago from David Burns' book, The Feeling Good Handbook. It's about cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like looking to see if there's any cognitive distortions in what I'm thinking, like in my catastrophizing, jumping to conclusions, mind reading all-or-nothing thinking. And when I can sort those thoughts through, it can really de-escalate things and help me have a clearer sense of, of where to go with it. So 
think those were think points that you covered in one degree or another in your talk. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay. One of your sentences is something I've been doing so much lately. Um, I complain about other people complaining. <laughs> you know, it's so stupid when I see it. And then I say, I'm just the same. Thank you. And up here. I heard a talk at East West Bookstore from a man who wrote a book called Ten Breaths to Happiness. And he makes a, a really, it's very short and tiny, a, a real claim that you can refocus your brain to immediately go to the positive more of any time you see something that just makes your heart swell and you go, wow, a hawk flying or something, you stop and you take ten breaths, just ten breaths when you see that or you, you're walking and you see a flower, that anything that makes you access that happiness and that will start your neurons going more to the positive than to the negative. Ten breaths to happiness. Yeah. There's, there's two sides to a practice. There's a side of letting go, where we let go of our complaints, and there's a side of cultivation, where we cultivate the, the wholesome uh, feelings like appreciation and gratitude and, and um, you know, happiness. You know? So both come into play at different times. So they're both great practices. So right behind you, did you, did you where was it? Oh, back there. Thank you. Hi, thank you so much for your talk. Um, and thank you for the, the practical ideas for, for applying it. Um, I'm imagining some situations in which I've been with um, people who are, who are complaining, and I've done my best to just listen and be with them and know that they're suffering and, and, and try not to engage. Um, but I've at some point been put on the spot where it's, don't you agree with me, aren't they horrible, or, or something like that, and I don't want to... I don't want to engage in the complaining. I don't, I don't want to practice it myself, but I also don't want to just say, no, I don't want to complain, and you know, I'm, uh, I feel like that would be saying, I'm, I don't know, I'm better, I'm practicing right. something better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a separate, it doesn't feel kind, it doesn't feel yeah. um, connecting. Do you have any advice? Um, you know, without the specifics, it's, it's hard to say, but um, I've been in that situation where I've been able to find a way of acknowledging how hard it is for them. You know, so yeah, you know, it's really hard when, people, when, when, when you experience something like this. You know, so you're really acknowledging what they're going through. You're seeing them, you know. Um, and so it doesn't come off like, um, you, you're not chiming in, but you're just really, you know, seeing, naming what, they, what they've gone through. And um, so, you know, see if you can work with that, you know. So the specific doesn't come to mind, but I know it's hap- I've done that a number of times, so. Thank you. So this is the last one, if there's one more. Or... You know, my mom... Um... My mom lived in a community, a retirement community, which had its fair share of complaining. But after she passed, one of the things that someone said to me that really stuck with me was, your mom never said anything bad about anyone. And I thought, whoa, if you don't think people notice, just just wait. Yeah. Wait till you're dead, somebody said. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we feel safe with, with people who don't do that, who don't say anything bad about other people. Yeah, it's something I've hoped I yeah. could live up to. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
So, so anything else? So thank you.